good Sunday morning. City Gate Church and Pastor Howie Cantrell welcome you to this week's broadcast. We encourage you to tune in each Sunday morning at 7.30 right here on 100.7 WHIN. Or visit us in person at 734 Red River Road in Gallatin, Tennessee. Services start at 945. And now, Pastor Howie Cantrell. I am really excited about today's sermon. Today we're going to bring some things into much clarity. There's a lot of things when we deal with Revelation early on in the parts, it sounds confusing. And now this part that we're going to be dealing with today, it's going to clear up some of those questions as I was trying to explain them earlier. Turn with me in your Bibles to chapter 17 of Revelation, the scarlet woman and the scarlet beast. And I'm going to share some things with you today as we go into this. And I want you to, to really have an open mind, not to my views and opinions, but what God is trying to speak to you today. I want you to be able to hear him. I want you to be able to understand him. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to move in and through you today. Amen. So as we start in verse one today, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now there's a lot of speculation as to who this person is. But today, it's going to become very apparent as we go through this process. There's a lot of people that say it's different countries. They say it's different people. And we're going to understand something today, and I want you to get this today. Is that God gave us this book for today. God gave us the book of Revelation for the here and now. Our predecessors in the faith have longed for the time to see these things. That's why they were written. But I'm telling you, they are playing out in our very eyes today. I, I try not to turn on the news. I just, I just try not to turn it on. Because very rarely do I see anything good in the news. Anybody agree with that today? Very rarely is there anything good that happens on the news and it makes you think that this world is bad it makes you think that this world is evil it makes you think that this world is hopeless but that is not true there's some bad things going on on this world but this world is not without hope amen as long as Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, as long as God himself sits on the throne, and as long as the Holy Spirit is present with us on this earth, right here and right now, we have hope. And you need to know that. There is hope for your family members. There are hope for your friends. There are hope for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And a thousand generations until Jesus comes back, there is hope. And I want you to have that in your spirit today. I do not want you to neglect this thought. There is hope. We have hope. Somebody say hope. Thank you, Jesus. So it goes on and it says this in verse 3. 
So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, if you remember back, we talked about the seven heads. We talked about the ten horns. We talked about all that stuff early on in Revelation. Now you're going to see where I got that information from. It wasn't hearsay. It was word say. I don't know that I've ever said that before or not, but I like that. I even made April grin with that one. I can see, I can see her cheekbones from this distance. I'll get punched in the head for that later, but it's okay. That's Daryl's child. He's got to re report to that. So I want us to, to look at this because I want you to see what happens when John the Revelator sees this woman. Watch this. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious storm, stones and pearls, having, her hand, ha having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Now, this gets very descriptive. I was told by someone last week that I was very descriptive in my sermon, and I am going to remain descriptive, and I want you to understand why. You need to know this. You need to know what's going on. You need the word, and sometimes it's not the best thing that we ever heard. Sometimes it scares us. Sometimes it makes us afraid, and we should be scared, and we should be afraid of what's going to happen to those who receive the mark. We should have peace if we have the Spirit and the presence of God through the salvation of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? It should disturb us. It should not scare us. Amen? Let's keep going. Listen to this. Because in this, I want you to see right here. In this golden cup that she has, it is a cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Now, what is she doing? Not only is she partaking of this, but she is offering of others to drink of this cup. Now, there is something that, that goes on in the Bible, and I want to I just pause right here just for a minute. And I want to tie some things in from the Old Testament into this. Now, looking at one of the points when Jesus was literally, when he was dealing with the woman who was caught in adultery, and she was thrown on the ground in front of him. Nobody knows, I want to be very clear about this, nobody knows what Jesus wrote in the dust or in the sand that day. Nobody knows because it was not recorded. But there are some thoughts, and I had a, a professor one time that I admired greatly. His name was Ron Cottle. He's still alive, and he's still teaching. That man had the ability to speak to you in English and write in perfect Greek or speak to you in English and write in perfect Hebrew. He was one of the most intellectual men that I had ever had the opportunity to sit under and study under. And he talked about what he believed was this, and he studied Jewish or Hebrew tradition. And there was a thing called the law of the jealous cup. Now, remember, we're talking about a cup here. In the law of the jealous cup, when a woman was caught in adultery, one of the thought processes were, it was believed at that time that she would be brought to the high priest and she would be offered the opportunity to admit her guilt or her sin. If she did not admit her guilt or her sin, then the priest would take a cup 
filled with wine from the temple. He would take dust from the floor of the temple. He would put it in the cup and he would mingle it. If she was innocent, she would be asked to drink the cup. If she was innocent, no harm would come to her. But if she was guilty, her internal organs would fall out of her body. Now, I want you to think about something because we're talking about this woman and the abominations and her fornications and her filthiness, the word declares. I want you to think about this cup that she's been drinking from and she's been asking everybody else to drink from it, but there's something about to happen because of the drinking of this cup. Everybody still with me now? Now watch this. This is where I'm just, I'm, my mind gets blown. And on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Now let's keep going. I saw the woman, John saying, drunk with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Now, this is John being amazed at what he sees. But I want you to understand the cup that she is partaking of and the cup that she is offering. It's the blood. Now, why is that a big deal? Because in the Old Testament, in the law, God says, do not drink the blood. Do not eat the blood. Do not partake of the blood because the blood is for sacrifice. Amen? So in this, what she's doing is she is taking the very thing that is for atonement and she has created fornication and filthiness and all manners of evil and wicked and vile things. Not only has she partaken of it, but she offers it to everyone who will take part. And it's so easy to do what everybody else is doing. You believe that? Some people won't do what other people are doing. But if you haven't ever heard of a thing called Jonestown, everybody drank the Kool-Aid. You see, what I'm trying to get you to hear today and why I say this over and over and over from this pulpit do not take my word for any of this. Know it for yourself. Let me tell you why. I'm not trying to develop a cult. I'm not trying to develop a cult following. What I am trying to do is build a relationship between you and Jesus Christ for yourself. Not for me. I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm asking you to listen to me. I point you to Christ. I want you to follow him. Don't follow me. I'm just a man. Am I making sense today? Are you understanding where I'm going with this? You need to know some things. Listen to me. Gone are the days where it's okay to go to church and just pull your little pen out and say, okay, I get to check that box. I did that today. Guys, you need to hear me. If you don't ever hear me ever, today you need to hear me. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it needs to be an assured relationship. You need to know it both in your head and your heart, and you need to know it sooner than later. This is the time. It is coming. I am not trying to scare you. I'm warning you. 
There's a story about a man who is in a boat, and it's really, really foggy. And for those of you that have been around here long enough, you know about the Green Bridge. Everybody remembers the old metal Green Bridge, the old steel Green Bridge coming into Galton before they put the big double wide in. And I can imagine this guy being in a place like that. And it's a very steep bluff. And the water is really cold. And the air is warm. And it's creating this super, super dense fog. While the man is sitting there fishing, he hears this loud splash, only to realize that a part of the bridge has fallen and collapsed. In the distance, he can hear the moaning of a diesel engine. And he looks around, he's like, oh no, I've got to warn him because this fog is so heavy. So he looks around and he finds a flare gun in his gear on his boat. So he grabs his, his, his flare gun box and he scurries up the bank and he fires a flare. No sound differentiation in the pitch of that diesel engine. So he loads up another flare and he fires it again and there's no sound. No change. Everything stays the same. Speed stays the same. But now something has changed because he can start to see the little lights on the roof of the cab. And he loads up another flare in that gun and he draws a bead down on that truck and he pulls that trigger on that gun and it fires a flare and bounces off the windshield of that truck and that guy locks his truck up and jackknifes it right there in the middle of the road. Well, that guy was super excited that was driving the truck, as you can imagine. He gets out, and he's ready to rip this guy's head off for doing that. And ask him, what is wrong with you? Are you crazy? Do you know you could have killed me? And he said, I'm just trying to stop you. The bridge is out. Now, I want you to hear me clearly. I fired a flare. And I fired a second flare. I want you to know that if you don't make a difference, I'm going to shoot you with a flare gun. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Am I making sense with that? We need to be in that kind of state of emergency with what our world is in right now and what we are seeing in our media right now today. You need to hear me and you need to pay attention and it's not tomorrow that you need to change, it's today. And this is for everybody. We still on the same page? I hope y'all still love me. If you don't, I'm gonna still fire them players. Because it's our job, is it not? Is it not our job to tell people? I talked to you last week about these people that are going to be coming to the church, when I say the church, I'm not talking about necessarily this church. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about God's church. I'm not talking about denominationalism. I'm not talking about the biggest churches in town. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the wheel and the wheel that Ezekiel talked about. God says, I have a people within a people. Those people are the ones I'm talking to. Those people are the ones that I want to hear. It's the people, God's people. Listen, tell people so that they know that they have hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. I ain't fussing. I'm loving. Don't get mad at me. I got enough of that. That redheaded girl, boy. Y'all catch up in a minute. It's all right. I love you anyway. So let's dig into the next part of this.
the meaning of the woman and the beast. I want us to look at the meaning of this. Because in this piece, what we see is, we see John the Revelator, as he looks at this woman, the Bible says he looked at her and he marveled because of the way she was adorned and how she was. There is a spirit called a Jezebel spirit. And it's an evil spirit. It's a wicked spirit. And it wants to destroy everything around it any way that it can. And so one of the things that are in this cup is that type of a spirit. So let's keep going. Verse 7. But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which was the seven, which has rather the seven heads and the ten horns. Now, if we remember back early in Revelation, we, we looked at what this was, and now we're going to see exactly what it is. How many of you believe that God will reveal things to you if you ask? How many of you believe that the reason that you're not getting things revealed to you is because you're not asking? Sometimes it's the right question that you have to ask. I was sharing with someone this week, and I was telling them about how these things work. And everybody wants the why answer. Because why is the answer. And everybody wants that. And I've talked to you about this before, but it, it has relevance here. As we pray, we want to pray, God, why? It's like the conversation that I had with Daryl. Why was I picked? But what if it's chosen? So how do we learn to discern God's voice? How do we pray? How do we know how to do these things and define these things and define these answers? It's not as hard as it looks if we'll ask questions. Now, anybody that knows me knows if you ask me a question, I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe 20. But that's how I get you to understand. My thing is not answering your question because most of the time when you get an answer like that, you walk away with it and you forget it before you can get to your car. The reason that I do the things that I do is I try to emulate Christ. I'm not trying to be Christ. I try to emulate Christ. He's my role model. He was one of the greatest teachers. He was the greatest teacher that ever lived. And he had a way of doing things and bringing people to an understanding like no other. So these are the questions. Who, what, when, where, how will give you the why. As you pray, don't pray, God, why did you put me in this position? Because that happens all the time. God, what is my purpose in this position? Who should I be speaking to? When should I speak? Where do I need to meet them? When we start finding that out, all of a sudden, everything gets answered because he'll put things in our path in our way. The other day I went into a store and I went to specifically speak to someone and that person was not there. Another person was there. And when I walked in, this individual said to me, you are just the person that I've been looking for. I need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not why I was here. How many of you believe that man makes his plans, but God directs his paths? And so as I sat down and he said, please come and talk with me. And I, so I sat down with him 
and he began to share some things with me that he desperately needed to talk about because he was in a very tough situation. And I just looked at him and I smiled. He said, why are you smiling? I said, I know why I'm here today. Because God brought me here for you. See the why? I know why I'm here now. Because if we'll allow God to direct our path, he'll take us in places that we need to go. So let's come back to this. So now as we go into this, we see that John is listening to the angel. He's been amazed and mesmerized by this woman. And now the angel speaks. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. Now, what does it mean it was and it is not? He saw what he saw, but it's not yet. This is how we know it's a future tense. Does that make sense now? He was, you saw him, it was there, but it's not yet the time. But when it is the time, he will come from the bottomless, bottomless pit. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. It was and is not and yet is. Now let's keep going. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Seven mountains on which the woman sits. Now, if you go into the, the area of Italy and around in that part, there are these seven mountains which are, have been given names and there were temples on top of them and there were kingdoms, okay? So out of this, that, that's one theory of that. So I don't want to confuse you, but that is a theory that's out there. When you study this, when you get online, you start looking things up and you start looking at commentaries, you're going to find those kinds of information. But pay attention to this. Don't pay attention to what other people are telling you. Look at the book. And look what it says because it's very plain. It goes on further and it says, there are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is and the other has not yet come. And when he comes... He must continue a short time. Now, listen to this very carefully. Look at this. So what he's showing him is there are seven kings. Five have fallen. So he's showing him that five of those kings are in the past. Okay? One is, so one is current, and there is one that has not yet come. So he's showing him a timeline here. And when he comes, he must continue for a short time. For a short time. Now, Everybody knows that a thousand years is like a day and a day like a thousand years with God. So we don't know exactly what kind of time frame we're dealing with right here in this spot. So let's talk about the beast just for a minute. Because the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth. That's what we're talking about kings is the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. So the beast is also going to be part of this. Not going to be actually one of the kings, but equivalent to the kings and have that same type of elevated status or position. Now, let's keep going. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority 
for one hour as kings with the beast. Think about that. They receive authority for one hour as kings. In other words, these are going to be people that are coming together, and this is getting ready for Armageddon. This is getting ready for that last battle, for that last war, and they're going to be appointed for a certain time. They're going to draw these people in because of, remember, all the people that have died, all of the disease, all the pestilence, all the hail that has fallen, all the plagues that have come, everything that's happened, no water. So these kings are going to be newly appointed kings, but they're only going to be a king for a very, very short time. That's why it's important for us to understand that. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. They will give their power and authority to the beast. Now, I want you to, to pay attention to that, that one mind part, okay? I'm going to loop back to that here in just a minute. But one mind, being of one mind, is very, very important. We see another place that the Bible says that men were of one mind, and that was at um, the Tower of Babel. All men were of one mind, and God said, if we don't do something, there's nothing that will be impossible for them. You see, that's why the church is so divided. And that's why we struggle so much, because we are not of one mind. We are not of one mind. I know people that, they, they just blow my mind. They're going to vote this line, this line, this line, this line. It doesn't matter what is there, what is relevant. They're going to do it because they're going to do it. There are people that go to denominational churches, go to non-denominational churches, that don't go to churches because that's the way I was taught. That's the way I'm going to do it. That's the way I'm always going to do it. And because of that, those divisionary lines have kept God's people apart. Amen. I have been in so many churches. I have taught... When I worked at Nissan, I was in a melting pot of people of all different races and nationalities and thought processes. They were from all over the world, literally. And I would talk to them about things and try to understand. And I would ask somebody, do you go to church? Are you a Christian? And they would not say that they went to church or they were a Christian. They would say their denominational title. I'm a this or I'm a this, or I'm a this. I said, I didn't ask you about your denomination. I asked you about your relationship. <coughs> Excuse me. And what I learned in those years of being there and talking to so many different people is that people don't have a relationship with Christ. They have a relationship with their church. They have a relationship with a doctrine. They have a relationship with dogma. They have a relationship with thought process, but they don't have a relationship with the word, and they don't know who Jesus is. Because they're too stuck in trying to be a denomination. Let me tell you something. You can like my words or not like my words. I'm okay with it. But I can promise you this. When we go to heaven, there won't be a section for Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterian, Catholics, Orthodox, Unorthodox, crazy. There won't be those sections. There will not be. Either you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ or you are not. And that is what the devil has used to pull God's people about apart and keep us from being of one mind and one accord. That's why when Becky and I decided to do this church, when God brought us to this point like I had a choice, I did, but I didn't. When we came to this place, the one thing we were going to teach is love. We were going to teach people how to forgive, 
And if anybody was here from the beginning, you know for years I preached on forgiveness because we needed to learn how to forgive. And I preached on love because we needed to learn how to love again. And I've been preaching on a relationship, and this has been phase by phase by phase because I am taking the milk away and giving you the meat. Because it's time for us to be able to eat the good meat of the word. Hear this one last thing. God revealed something to me. When Jesus came up out of the grave after the third day, the Bible says that he came out and he had three things. He had the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He had the keys. So if somebody is locked in hell right now, if they're locked in a prison, the lock doesn't work. The door shut because it got slammed. But if you'll ever realize, fall on your face before God and put your hand on the door of your cell, it is not locked. All you have to do is walk out. Because Jesus has already taken the keys to the cell that you're in. You've been listening to Pastor Howie Cantrell with CityGate Church, located at 734 Red River Road, Gallatin, Tennessee. Please visit us in person for Sunday worship at 945. You may also see our live broadcast on Facebook and YouTube. From everyone at CityGate, have a blessed week.